It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast presented by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Use promo code FETCHME20 for your first delivery free. Download the free Fetch Me Home Delivery app or go to FetchMeDelivery.com. They're open late on Friday and Saturday nights until 2 o'clock, making sure to be convenient at all times. Once again, FetchMeDelivery.com or the free Fetch Me app. Use promo code FETCHME20 for your first delivery free. Zach Blackerby, Painter Sharpless, Michael Pappas, all here with you on a Monday, following perhaps the greatest game that I've ever watched. It's, at least at the college level. I mean, it's got to be in the conversation. It's top five for sure. For sure. Michael, how, how, was, uh, how was your weekend? I got nothing to complain. Well, I got one thing to complain about, but you know what? I was so happy about the Arnold, didn't even care. I mean, I, I just can't believe what we watched on Saturday. And, you know, there's so many different discussions that can be had. And I feel for the beat writers that had to immediately, you know, turn out a gamer after um, after that was over. I mean, how do you put that into words in, in one article without writing a book? And then you look at what Justin Ferguson did at The Athletic, and it pretty much was a book. But it, it, it's a story that was awesome and needed to be told. And, I mean, over 10 lead changes, and it's like every possession meant so much. The ups and downs, the highs and the lows. I mean, the roller coaster of emotion that both fan bases felt. I mean, right when Alabama was felt like they were about to put it away, a hundred yard pick six by uh, Chainsaw McLean, the Ricochet Rabbit, um, and, and then obviously Smoke Monday got a pick six in there as well. But I mean, it's just so many different names. Painter, you and I talked about this earlier today on my my, my radio show, Auburn Opelika, this morning. So many different names really really stepped up. Um, I mean. Uh, it's just kind of hard to hard to kind of put it all out there. Yeah, absolutely. I, sorry, I, I don't know if that was directed at Painter, but it was. But you I could talk. I couldn't agree with you more. It was. We got asked the question last week on the show that uh, who we thought would be kind of the guy who steps up and makes a name for him this game, and I guess makes a name for himself this game. But it was everyone. It was. I mean, it was. A, it was a team effort for sure. Now, my pick was Noig Monogany, and he was incredible. Yeah, he had a very good game. He was absolutely incredible. Now, he didn't get any of the picks. He didn't have any big pass deflections, but it yeah, looked he like... Did. He had one in the end zone. You're right. It was a huge one. You're yeah. absolutely right. A little underthrown by Mac Jones, but Noah, Noah recovered and made the most of it. And the obvious, like Jerry Judy just was a pretty much a non-factor. He was in the stat category, but compared to cool. Devin Waddle and, and even Ruggs and, and Devontae Smith, especially in the red zone. Yeah. Jalen Waddle. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. Jalen Waddle and you know, they, they kept talking about on the broadcast and this turned out to be true, but it felt to me like they could go to different guys for different reasons. Like Devontae Smith, when they really needed someone in the red zone, was always open. Henry Ruggs caught a touchdown when Mac Jones threw the ball up and Derek Brown was in his face. We could go on and on about Waddle's performance. But Judy, I mean, well, for the most part, it's worth noting that it's very difficult when the other team's fourth option at wide receiver would be the number one option on any other team in the country except. Oh Clemson, yeah, no, probably. that's that's not a knock. It's just mm-hmm. I was impressed with what they no, were able yeah. to do with the one and said. And Zach, I think you said this much. Like they were not going to let Jerry Judy be the one that did this. Yeah, and he didn't. I think they went in saying, okay, 
we can't cover all of them. Let's let their fourth best guy run. And they did. And they didn't really go away from that, which I thought was interesting. And, you know, so many fans are on, on Twitter and on message boards saying, like, why isn't Kevin Steele letting the guys bump and run? Like, you don't want to bump and run with these guys. Are oh you kidding God. me? Are you, you kidding toast- me? LSU tried to do that, and they got toasted multiple for times. For sure. Huh? For sure. So, you know, give them, give them their space, and especially with the way that points were being put up in Auburn's favor. We you know the defense obviously adding 14 of those. But, man, just, just what an incredible game. What an incredible game. And looking at Bo Nix at the end of it. I mean, this kid has wanted to play in an Iron Bowl and win in an Iron Bowl since he was a kid. Longer than he's wanted or been able to breathe. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, this guy was put into this world to to love Auburn and now he's getting to do this on the on the biggest stage in college football. And I just can't imagine what that kid was feeling. I I, I can't imagine what all that was like. I mean, he's been wanting to do this his whole life and he finally gets the chance and and, and he makes the most of it. Had a pretty good game. And I love that he allowed his guys to go up and get it. He said, hey, Seth Williams, here's a shot. It's up to you to pull it down. And he had two or three that were incredible catches. And then the touchdown pass to Sal Canella, your boy. How do you feel about that? If I would have known that everything that we have been through together, me and Sal Canella, <laughs> would lead to that moment in the Iron Bowl, I, w- I would take it all back. <laughs> I would take it all back. Do you have anything that you want to say to Sal Canelo this morning? I think he's heard what I've said, and it's pushed him to be better. You think so? And I don't think so. He, Auburn fans ought to be thinking you. I don't think that yeah, Sal Canelo makes play. that catch. <laughs> Sal I don't think he make makes that, that without catch. me on the, without on the having someone cheering with him the on. Goal. Actually, I, I just pulled up the uh, the box score, mm. and Sal Canel's not even in it. It says Michael Pappas. My God. Is that your touchdown Look, catch? I don't want to say yes. that I had any part of winning this Iron Bowl. But you did. I was not on the field. <laughs> you were actually I in did. literally the opposite place of that. Yeah. You were at a bar. I, uh, <laughs> where people who like to criticize those on the field routinely make hit. a living. <laughs> um, also, I just want to point out, because you took it right here, what an interesting stat line. Bo Nix, 15 of 30. Now, a lot of those, he's good about throwing the ball away. Sure. That's been the case and all season. And he did not have a turnover. A couple drops. That's true. A couple drops were there as well. You're 5.8 right. um, an average for one touchdown, the Sal Canella touchdown. Great catch. Great yeah. catch. And, and a, good a throw. great throw. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, um, it was, he was well covered. Just a better throw and a better catch. And then Mac Jones... Impressive, 26 of 39 for 335, 8.6 in average through the year. Four touchdowns, however, two those pick two pick sixes really stand out. And it's also, oh man, I, I lost it. Oh, the stats that stuck out to me were that Smith and Judy, the number one and number two options for Alabama had like 10 catches for 100 yards. And that was mm-hmm. it. And... Like, yeah, it would be yeah, 10 um, catches for 106 yards total. Yeah, so, yeah. obviously, you know, having one guy score four touchdowns on your – or three touchdowns receiving in Jalen Waddle mm-hmm. is not a great look. But you got to think the game plan was shut down the top two guys, hope and pray that the linebackers and the D-line can do something about Najee Harris. Right. And if the number four receiver on the other team is going to beat you – I don't really know what else you do. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, 
including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Man, Sean, Sean Shivers has run. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was the football at first. I, didn't, I was like, oh, my goodness. And then I was like, no, it's not. Yeah, he straight up just killed that dude. McKinney. And he's pretty good, by the way. That's a first-round draft pick. I mean, Sean Shivers. I mean, There's a couple I, of good images that came out of that Oh, one. my gosh. And that is going to be a, that's going to be a play people talk about for a long time. A long time. I mean, it was it was the go-ahead score. And then, obviously, I mean, uh, <laughs> the smallest guy on the field hitting one of the biggest guys in the field, just popping him in the mouth, and, it, and his helmet flies off. I mean, you just don't see that a whole lot. And it was the view. There was a couple of uh, views that, that people were doing from their phone from the end zone seats. And just seeing him, like, plow through the guy and just, like, make his way into the end zone was it's a pretty powerful scene. I mean, it, it, it's pretty cool. And I originally thought he cut it up field too early because he had, they sealed the edge to the outside. He wouldn't have scored, but he would have gotten some mm-hmm. positive yards if he kept going out. So I'm like, oh, why did he do that? And it's, oh, he wanted to hit somebody. He had confidence in himself. What do y'all make of this? Total yards, 515 for Alabama, for Auburn, 354. So Alabama certainly had the better day offensively. We're not disputing that. Well, With, you, you say that, but they threw two pick sixes. Yes, precisely. I, I, I think she's. I think that's misleading because they obviously had more possessions, and on the possession, another good point to well, note like, there, Michael: thirty-five, almost thirty-six minutes for Alabama, whereas Auburn had the ball for twenty-four oh eight. Yeah, so the drive before the Sakobi McLean pick six, like the one that ended in the pick six, was an eighty-yard driver, a ninety-yard drive, or something like they, that. Yeah, I mean they got they down went to all it. the way down. Pick six all the way back, and then the defense came right back on the field, and they drove eighty-five yards. And to the credit a of Alabama and Mac Jones in particular, and a good job by his teammates of keeping him up. God, he looked he looked so after, good after those mistakes. They were just like, "Yeah, we're gonna get back at it." I kept thinking, especially after the smoke Monday, I was like, "All right, the first one." I was like, "I can see how he kind of reshaped himself." They had some big momentum plays on the kick return and the fumble, so it gave them a chance to breathe and be like, oh, yeah, I've got my dudes. Mm -hmm. But after the pick six at the near near the end of the game, or at least in the second half, I was like, man, that I could see a lot of guys just falling apart after that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he had some mental toughness, and it's going to be interesting to see what Alabama does with their quarterback situation post Tua. Yeah. As of right now, my money is it being on Mac Jones. I know they got a five star coming in. Yeah. Painter, you were telling me about that. So. We'll see. We'll definitely see what they do. I mean, it's definitely the trend to start true freshmen now. So, I just have a hard time like watching that guy play. If you take away the the one really bad, he just missed through and it went straight to smoke Monday. Yeah. But the the second one is a little bit flukier. Like I'd be curious. The buttception. Yeah, and I'd be <laughs> curious to know like you know was their timing just off? Did he just throw a bat? Did he just make a bad throw? Because was it? It was Najee Harris that was open on that play, and I think if the throw's better, it might be a touchdown. He's yeah. got McLean beat by a step or two. Yeah, but uh, Mac Jones was about to die. If he held he that did, ball, yeah, he was pressured. He, yeah, he was pressured. That, part, that was part of the reason. That may have been Big Cat Bryant's best play of the year. Maybe so. It was certainly one of his more impactful because yeah. it looks like it could be a touchdown if he doesn't have someone coming into his face. 
It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. I want to talk about my least favorite take from the Iron Bowl. Please. And, and it's, it's, I'm seeing it all over the place. The play of the game, in my opinion, outside of the Zacoby McLean pick six, was Derek Brown batting down a pass and forcing them to have to kick the field goal at the end. And there's so many people on Twitter saying that if he hadn't have done that, Jeremiah Denson had a pick six waiting. And I, I, I do not like that take at all. I don't mind the take because if you watch it, He's actually he might be right, but like I just did, wouldn't lean on the what if scenario. Like Derek Brown, he doesn't like he doesn't know what's behind him. Yeah, well, it's also just not the, a given. Like there's a million other things that could happen. The quarterback, the quarterback threw the ball, and Derek Brown said, "I can knock that down." I mean, it's just weird how many people are saying like like, oh well, Denson had it. Like you know, that is an incredible play what he did. Like he had the yeah. the knack and the feel for what was happening. To the lane opened up in front of him because he positioned himself. And you see him step forward, and then he he pulls back because he has such a good feel of what's happening behind him. And he jumps up, and the timing was impeccable. And it's like NFL draft experts are going to ooh and all over that play for oh, you yeah. know until his name is called as a top. I I think he's a top three player in this draft. I mean, he's going to be uh, he's going to be a very rich man, a very coveted man. Uh, you know, all thirty two teams are going to want him. So I, I see where you're coming from there. But Denson even made a comment after the game, and if you look like at the time, was it Judy that he was trying to jump the route on? I can't remember who the player was in the picture with him, but it does look like his head's not turned. I just don't like the take. That's, I, and that's fine. Like it worked out for Auburn. So, and also that bat that then Mac Jones caught, and then Derek tackled it lost him. a yard. And if they're a yard closer, that kick goes in. I think that the two things can both be correct. Derek Brown made an incredible. I'm, I'm not play. saying it's wrong. I'm saying I do not like the take. Yeah, and yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I know. Okay. I, I I just, it's like both parties are wrong. Derek Brown made the correct play. Yeah, that, no, that, no doubt about that it. That part is a fact. And so, I, I'm interested to hear y'all's opinions on some of the other key plays in the game. Uh, the first of one being, the field goal to end the first half. Um, I thought that was. I think it's pretty cut and dry. Really, I thought that was. You think it was right? One of the best drives of the season. If it's not your team, it's not right. It's a frustrating thing to happen because of technology. It's just not possible that they could have gotten out there and either either clocked the ball or gotten special teams out there. But because we now have review, which makes the game more accurate, it gave Auburn an advantage. I don't think I get why Nick Saban was frustrated. Had he had the opportunity to do that, he would have done the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised the way you know time works that they could whistle it to start the clock, and like I feel like as soon as they would start the clock, the second would come off. Well, the issue, it's like the issue with that is that the it's all like the way that the human mind perceives things because the referee has to blow the whistle and wind his arm. The clock operator has to see that 
and then hit the button, and then the clock has to run the second off to yeah. zero. And so it's like if the snapper can get the snap off before the clock operator hits the button, you're good. But Which I guess again, it's I, I get your point, Zach. It's like saying there's a rule. I can't remember if it's point three seconds. What the rule is in basketball, but there has to be a certain amount of time left in a game for you to take a game-winning shot attempt. If there's a .1 second on the clock, I don't think they consider that. So if that's kind of what you're talking about, it's like could could a ref really know by putting – you know, let's say it was eight tenths of a second or some, you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, I guess you like you 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 deserve the full second, but you know, in a real situation, you'd have had the only. They basically got an extra timeout, is what happened. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of the way it worked out benefited Auburn for sure. So that was crazy. Anders Carlson, the game of his life. Holy cow! Yeah, he picked a great time to go four for four, five yeah. for five. People forget. Oh, that's true. He had a fifty-four yarder. He hit. His longest field goal of the game, count. he nailed, but they were offsides on what I thought was fourth and six, but they got the first down. So I was kind of confused about that. Yeah, and then to your point there, like he had to a few plays later because they ended up. So like he, yeah. that's that's mentally tough. It's like oh, I just made this. Now I got to go back out. It's even shorter, and so yeah. people are thinking it's easier. But anything can happen. Or the I thought he was going to miss the one at the end of the first half because he was standing on the field for like five minutes or, and it or was whatever rushed, it was. Right? Yeah. It was an, it was a rushed um, kick. Uh, what were the other plays that I was going to bring? Um, obviously, the one at the end, the substitution thing. I think it's going to change how college teams punt from here on out. Really? I think that's going to change special teams. Did uh, I believe I retweeted this. Uh, Dan Orlovsky had of, of ESPN. He's on Get Up a lot. He does a lot of like college breakdown, professional yeah. breakdowns. He made a little Twitter video like breaking down the play and what happened and why it was successful, and I thought it was really interesting. It's one of those things that, you know, as someone watching the game, you're just excited that it happened. You, I, I certainly didn't really think about the, the X's and O's or, or why yeah. it did. But yeah, I mean, Gus kept the offense on the field, and he just put Aaron Sipos, the punter, at X receiver, so receiver to the far left, and Saban subbed for whatever reason. I guess he thought there was a legit chance that Auburn was going to go for it on fourth and four. No. Well, so yes, what- that is true. That is true, according to Gus Malzahn. So what Orlovsky was saying was that the defense matches personnel with the offense. So, like, when the guys in the booth see who the offense puts on the field, they, like, radio it down, and that's how the defenses get their personnel. And so I guess what Gus did was he ran, like, heavy, heavy and wildcat on the first three plays so that Alabama was in their heavy set for three plays in a row. And then on the last play, when you run the punter out, I guess when you run the punter out, the opposing coaching staffs will like always bring on the returner at least, and so and the return team, and so that's why they were running. That's where the confusion came because Waddle went on the field, and then Auburn was still, I guess, technically in their heavy set on offense, and so then they tried to bring their they had the guy run on the field really late because they thought they were missing alignment. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. It's wild for sure. So that was uh, that was incredible. And then Saban coming out and just saying, like, it wasn't fair is... Whiny. I, I think a lot of Auburn fans have really eaten that up. Yeah. That's well, if someone made the look. point, too, like, I get why he would feel that way. I'm a little surprised he voiced it, but I think two things are at play here. Um, one... 
if he had thought of it first, I think that's the thing that he's most upset about. Like, this is a pretty clever thing to do, and he didn't think about it first. And then the other part of it is, like, this team has more talent than anyone else. They get to play their backups. Like, they were able to throw in Mac Jones and arguably their biggest game of the year since they lost the LSU game. Mm -hmm. And were it not for two bad throws, probably win that game. And, like, I realize there's a difference in having Tua and Mac Jones mm -hmm. out there, but they still put up 45 points with a backup quarterback. I just – the talent well, disparity, which is not their fault. They out-recruit everyone. Yeah. Well, sort of. I don't know. I, I just, guess that technically is their fault yeah. that they out-recruit people. Um, They're doing it on purpose. It just feels a bit – it feels <laughs> a bit rich to say something is unfair if you are Alabama in this instance. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting word choice. Like, if you would have come out and been like, that was super gimmicky, like, whatever, then I think everyone would have been like, yes, but it but worked. But say it wasn't fair, that's... That's, yeah, that's, that's not he, true. It's wrong. He stopped short of calling it um, illegal because he knew it didn't break any rules. Yeah. Just like, dang. And Sipos started to motion into the backfield to punt. Like, the goal, and I think Gus said as much, the goal was just to not... They didn't want Waddle on the field. Yeah. They just didn't want to kick it to him, which, smart. And... Yeah, the whole thing is just wild. And like you said, Painter, it's not like Auburn played a perfect game. I mean, usually to beat Alabama, it's like your team has to be perfect and they have to have a bad day. So they, they I don't had, really think either of those things happened. Well, well, they, they won the turnover battle 2-1, to one, which is important. And, and it just so happens that two of those turnovers directly turned into touchdowns. Yeah. And then the other part, Alabama had more penalties. And so like they gave Auburn opportunities when it, you know, they score a touchdown there. If Najee Harris say that that's a completion to him, mm -hmm. I, I think that game could be very different. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I thought Gus outcoached Nick Saban. Whether it was team discipline, like you said, um, Alabama had more penalties. There was obviously the, the substitution thing at the end. Yeah. Uh, I thought the drive at the end of the first half, I thought the offense responded incredibly well to the fact that Alabama just got the ball back with a minute left and scored a touchdown in 30 seconds, and then Auburn gets the ball with 30 seconds left and manages to get into field goal range and kick a field goal. Yeah, I thought that just top to bottom, I mean, even the defense's worst performance of the season was against Alabama, and they had two pick sixes. So I don't think it's fair to say this every time, but it's an interesting question to pose. Because sometimes teams just don't execute as well as they should. But because there are rarely times in which Nick Saban does not enter a game with a clear talent edge, when he loses games, a lot of times, is it because he's gotten out coached? I don't I, think it's that I, I, simple. I, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of do. I kind of do. I mean, if you were, have a better team and you lose a game, what else is it? What else is it? And I mean, unless you have terrible execution, but like, I don't think that was it. I mean, I, I think Saban got out coached on Saturday. I think he got out coached in LSU as well. I think Saban is in a position right now where he is like the kingmaker, you know? And so they've had so much staff turnover from year to year to year to year that he is going to hire assistant coaches who are oftentimes like he doesn't hire top notch assistants, he makes top notch assistants. And so it. Like, I, I don't necessarily think it is fair to put it all on Saban. Majority on Saban. It's his team. He's the head coach. Whatever. I thought that top to bottom, like, Saban doesn't do substitutions, right? Like, that's not something he does during the game. That's on the other coaches. They're the ones who messed that up, which 
it might be why Saban says it's unfair because it's not really something that's in his control. It is something. I mean, he's the head coach. Yes, and so it's like buck stops with him. It's his job to have the team ready, all of that. I think his – I don't think this happens next season. With all with the vast majority of his assistant coaches there for a second year, they're all better. They're more like Saban. They're just better. I, I and, don't. And for what it's worth, this team happened to be young, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um. We could go on and on, I think, in circles. I, it was just an interesting question, I thought, because I don't think it's fair. You know, there have been games where I thought um, Coach Malzahn was not the largest problem in the loss this year, where there were just some throws and some things that were not executed mm-hmm. well. And it's like, I, as a coach, it's like, I thought you were capable of doing that. I've seen you do it, and you just didn't do it in a big moment. Mm-hmm. But I can also understand, it's like, when you've got a team that good and you're not winning – some of these big games, questions will be asked. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we'll be talking about this game all week. There are so many things. We've just kind of touched the surface on it. We'll also get to your voicemails. If you want to give us um, some thoughts on that, we'd love to uh, to hear from you. And we have a we have a few kind of already in the bank, but we'll uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. Just call 205-502-4285. That's 205-502-4285. It'll go straight to a, a voicemail. You'll hear my voice. And just, yeah, let us know what you think. Of the Iron Bowl, let us know what you think of the season, what you're excited about this off season. If there's a specific bowl you'd like to go to, a lot of folks here in around town here in um, Minnesota or Michigan, possibly in Orlando, I think a lot of folks would be cool with that. I'm just seeing a lot of people say, "Not Wisconsin, please, not Wisconsin." <laughs> so we'll see. I, I actually meant to lead the show, um, kind of giving um, giving a nod to to Pat Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I assume if you're listening to the show, you've already heard, but. The Auburn's first Heisman Trophy winner passed away. Of course, he won the Heisman in uh, 1971. He kind of set the tone for Auburn football a long time ago, and um, it was uh, it was that was sad news to see uh, yesterday. He looks sounds like he passed away in his sleep um, early Sunday morning. So our thoughts and prayers with um, with the Sullivan family and coach. You did so much to um, to help out Auburn. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. For that, and uh, we'll uh, we'll probably touch on more of that throughout this week as well. So, Painter, where can people find you and hear you, bud? Please listen to the lunch break with Justin Ferguson and me, eleven to one. Michael Pappas joins us from time to time, as does Zach. So, all the things you like here, we've got going on on ESPN one zero six seven, and I'm at Paint Sharpless on Twitter. Michael, uh, follow me on Twitter at Couch Potato. Fantastic. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackaby. Follow the show on Twitter at. Locked on Auburn and follow the Locked On College Twitter page at Locked College. All that good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Locked on Blah Blah Blah. Podcast Network. Your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.